Hey there, and welcome back. I'm Kinsey Dozinski, host of the Brave Marriage Podcast, a podcast for couples who want to grow as individuals, do marriage with intention, and live mutually empowered, purposeful lives. The music, by the way, is by my friend John Tibbs. You can find his music on iTunes or connect with him through the show notes. Today on the podcast, we're talking about doing marriage with intention. Now, I want you to think of a couple who does this well. Maybe it's an older couple, a mentor couple, or maybe even some friends. What do they do that lets you know they do their marriage with intention? And what's the outcome in their lives and relationship? There's a couple I've known since college who've been married for 20-some years. And over the past decade, they've invited me, my friends, and our now husbands into their home. They've asked us engaging questions around the dinner table with their family, and they just really love people well. And I had the privilege of sitting down with them in grad school and videotaping their interactions for a marital interview that I was practicing. They were warm and affectionate, they spoke well of each other, which meant they had positive thoughts about each other, and they communicated respectfully, even when they had different perspectives, which I know from real work with couples now doesn't happen by accident. They also told me that since they were first married, they've made it a priority to take on a new challenge each year in their marriage. As you can imagine, the result is a couple who's united, who's a team, and who just radiates joy in the process. It's through marriages like this that we see God's love, which is the mission of marriage, right, if you're a believer. But in order for us to live this out, we have to bring our whole selves to the table. See, we can't achieve this kind of oneness leading to an experience of God's love if we're not intentional. So last week, we talked about growing as individuals, and this week, we're diving into being intentional about growing as one. Our first priority is leaving and cleaving. This means emotionally differentiating from our family of origin and cleaving to our spouse. If you need a reminder of what differentiation means, take another listen to episode two. This task really begins during the engagement period and continues on into the first few years of marriage, where hopefully by then it's more solidified. Hopefully. It's not that we don't continue to navigate family and in-law relationships. It's just that the intentional process of leaving and cleaving, this process of learning to choose our spouse as family first, is a really important stage of marital development. Once we learn to do this in a healthy way, we realize the goal was never to diminish our relationships with our family, but rather to change those relationships to form a new allegiance. Now, if we had a good relationship with our family of origin, it's normal to feel internal tension at first as we navigate what feels like choosing between our spouse and the family who raised us, right? Even if we know in our heads what's supposed to happen, emotionally, it can feel really hard and uncomfortable. But I'm telling you, it's a necessary growing pain for the sake of our marriages, and it doesn't happen without intentionality on our part. See, unless we have super intentional parents who understand and respect this leaving and cleaving process, they're probably not going to change the way they've related to us for the past 20 to 30 years of our lives. Now, I wish it weren't this way. I was just telling Evan the other day that I'd love to work with parents during a couple's premarital counseling because in the same way that it's hard for us to navigate this process, it's honestly probably harder for them. 
especially if our parents haven't grown in their own differentiation, whereby they're able to see their adult children as just that, adults, and not an extension of themselves. All that to say, if you're experiencing tension in this area, know that you're not alone. Everyone involved is trying to figure it out. But here's the deal. If we're the ones making a major life change, it's our job to communicate exactly what that entails. When leaving and cleaving doesn't happen, our families can become a wedge between us and our spouse. I've worked with couples who've been married for decades where one spouse still listens to and accepts more influence from their parent than they do their spouse. And what results is a breakdown in trust with the person they're married to. You know, we often only hear about trust in terms of betrayal or some sort of infidelity. But a more subtle form of betrayal, which I want you to hear me say clearly, is choosing our family's comforting words, affection, or advice over our spouses. And this doesn't mean we can't ever agree with our parents. After all, they're the ones who raised us, right? So we'll probably think more similarly than not to them on certain things. However, It does mean that shutting down a conversation with our spouse because we've already decided we're right based on the argument, mom or dad thinks so too, is a no-no. If we want our marriages to work long-term, we have to do the work of developing a safe home base with our spouse because that's where trust, which leads to oneness, is born. Okay, so how do we then leave and cleave and build trust? Well, Early on, we begin to use we language when talking about our marriage, especially when talking with our families. What we don't say is, I agree with you, mom and dad, but husband thinks something ridiculous, or wife is being irrational. No, (laughs) it usually goes over really well, right? Instead, what we say is, we agree that fill in the blank, or you know, we're still talking that through, and we'll get back to you. What this helps us do is establish our oneness. It helps us personally make the shift from this is me to this is us. And when we make that shift and grow more confident in our unity, then others begin to see that too. We also take responsibility when we get this wrong because we will stumble our way through this. And so will our spouses. So we take responsibility for ourselves and we learn to forgive. Because 99% of the time, these relational blunders are unintentional. Like I said, just because we know we're supposed to leave and cleave doesn't mean we're going to do so perfectly. So, I have an idea. Let's stop setting impossible standards for ourselves and our spouses, right? Because in all seriousness, if we can learn to give ourselves and our spouses grace, that's when we begin to actually get better at this trust-building thing called marriage. Now, once we learn to leave and cleave, the next step is deepening our intimacy with one another. In their book, A Model for Marriage, doctors Jack and Judith Boswick describe intimacy as the mutual engagement of emotional warmth, interpersonal affection, and intimate connection. How often do you experience this in your marriage? If you're doing well as newlyweds are in your first few years, it's likely that you still experience this quite a bit. But as life gets busier, finding the time to emotionally, sexually, and spiritually connect becomes more precious. But no matter which stage of marriage you're in, 
Here are four things I want you to remember when it comes to deepening intimacy. Make time, turn off, tune in, and talk more. Let me briefly explain each one of those. So make time. We all have the same 24 hours in every day, but depending on our season of life, we'll either have more or less competing responsibilities, which means more or less free time than we once had. So if you're in a season with more margin or flexibility, set aside time daily to connect. This could be in the form of a date night, a walk, having dinner at home together, or spending some good time in the bedroom. And cherish this time of more margin and flexibility because if you take it for granted now, you will take it for granted later. Now, if you're in a season with less margin or flexibility, set aside time daily to connect. Now, raise your hand if you just rolled your eyes or suddenly felt overwhelmed. I know, I get it. It can seem unrealistic when you have your hands full and are juggling multiple things at once. But during these seasons, connecting emotionally, sexually, and spiritually become more about the quality of time than the quantity of time. I'm talking about having the most quality 2-20 to minute moments throughout your day with your spouse. Through the simplest things, like saying I love you while looking each other in the eye. Telling your spouse why you're grateful for them before you go to bed. Enjoying a long hug multiple times a day. Having a quickie. Or sitting down for a drink or dessert together in the evening. Here's why. Because at the end of our lives, running a business, raising babies, and general busyness won't be a good enough excuse not to have made the smallest amount of time for each other, especially if that's what could make or break your marriage. Dr. John Gottman is a world-renowned marriage researcher who has dedicated his career to quantifying what makes the difference between the masters of marriage and the disasters of marriage, as he calls them. In one of the differences he found between the two came down to a simple six hours a week. In not a consecutive six hours, but a few minutes and little moments that add up over time. Now, he has a free PDF on his website that breaks down those six hours in a clear, understandable, and doable way. You can find that at the Gottman Institute or Gottman.com, and I'll link to that PDF in the show notes at bravemarriage.com podcast. Next is, turn off the internal and external distractions that are keeping you from being present with your spouse. Maybe that's your phone. Maybe that's your brain running a million miles per minute. Or maybe it's both. I won't go into too much detail, but neuroscientists are finding that as a society, we're literally rewiring our brains through the constant flow of media and internet access. Now, I don't know about you, but I, for one, feel it. We scroll through thoughts like we scroll through social media, in a rapid-paced, half-attentive, and unproductive way which is why it's more important than ever to learn to be intentional in this area. So after you turn off distracting devices, be sure to X out of all the tabs in your head to focus on being present in the moment with your partner. Tune in then to your spouse and really give your attention. If we're going to take time out of our day to be together, isn't it counterproductive to remain disengaged? Think about it. Have you ever felt alone or in your own little world in the very same room as your spouse? I know I've been guilty of this. 
So focusing in and being present is a practice we've got to learn how to do again. Here's a quick tip for refocusing your attention on your spouse. Look at your spouse as if you're seeing him or her for the first time. So when you were your single self, how did you see your spouse? Return to that attraction to see your spouse through fresh eyes and add to your attraction the things you find hotter about them now, whether it be their physical appearance, their personal growth, or seeing them in their role as a parent. And then, of course, tell your spouse how you feel. So make time, turn off, tune in, and talk more. And not just about current events or tasks that did or didn't get done that day, even though it's fine to start there. But if the goal is to actually grow in intimacy, let those surface-level conversations lead you deeper. If you have strong convictions about something, share them. If something you learned that day sparked a new idea, brainstorm it further with your spouse. You can even do this to ease tension between you. Here's what I mean. If you realize you're being short with each other because you have other things on your mind, stop yourself, look your spouse in the eye, and say out loud what's been on your mind and heart. Now, it's probably not the best time right in that moment to dive deeper into conversation, but it does invite the opportunity to open up and have a good conversation later on. When we do marriage like this, with intention around leaving and cleaving and intention around deepening intimacy, that's what will lead us to oneness. And oneness leads the world to see God's love, just like the couple I mentioned at the beginning of this episode. So I know we've covered a lot of ground, but since we're taking the month of June to talk through the mission of Brave Marriage, there's just so much to share on the front end. And like I said last week, starting in the month of July, we'll cover just one concept at a time and break things down even further. Now your action step for this episode is to think back on this discussion and decide with your spouse which area needs more intention in your marriage. Then, name one teeny tiny thing you're going to be intentional about doing different this week, and then do it. For example, let's say you currently only see each other for 30 minutes each evening. Instead of trying to carve out an hour of uninterrupted time each day, commit to spending just 5 of those 30 minutes snuggling on the couch, or 10 minutes of that time talking about your day over your favorite drink or dessert. Because the smaller the intention, the easier it is to keep it up, and small changes add up over time. And I would really love to hear from you and hear how this goes. So if you want to slide on over into my DMs this week, feel free to do so on Instagram at Kinsey Dazinski. And I just have to tell you one more thing. That last week's launch was incredible. You all seriously have blown me away with your reviews, your messages, stories, and sharing of the podcast. And I'm so, so thankful and honestly humbled by how many of you have showed up already and are committed to doing marriage well with me. My prayer for us today is actually Jesus' prayer in John 17, that we would be one just as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one so that the world would see our marriages united in love and have an earthly picture of how God loves us, that they might believe in Jesus' name. Talk soon.
out of bounds. Love is not a bond. Love is just as fragile 